Welcome everyone to our annual Christmas Eve service here at LaGrave Avenue Christian Reformed Church. It's so good to see you here tonight. And we are gathered here tonight in this place to contemplate an event that changed the course of history. On the night that it happened, nobody had any sense that something that momentous had happened when Mary was in the full throes of her labor, uh, the rest of the world was going about its business. But by the time Mary's labor was over and Jesus was lying in the manger, everything had changed. Eternity had ripped through the surface of time and the word had become flesh and everything was different. And that's what we're here to celebrate tonight. And in our celebrations, uh, we will be focusing on the word come, coming, and what that coming meant. And, and I think and I hope what you'll see that is, as we go through these meditations, as we read these words, as we sing these songs, that we'll be thinking about both how we as human beings cry out for God to come and then what it means when he comes to us. Let's listen to Bob as he reads from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64, the first nine verses. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help, to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. Throughout the Old Testament, the prophets, the psalmists, were pleading with God to come to them. Come to us, Lord, they called out. And you heard that in the prophet Isaiah. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down to us. Isaiah speaks not just for the Old Testament people who were calling for God to come. Frankly, they, prophets in Isaiah, they speak for all people. Because all of us, even unbelievers in their own way, plead for God to come to them. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Please, please, please come. Come. 
You'll notice that when Isaiah pleads for God to come, there's sort of two dimensions to his coming. One of them is a sort of a cosmic dimension. Isaiah pleads that God will do big things, that he will come to do geopolitical change. Lord, please defeat your enemies, make things right, Isaiah pleads. But then there's another side of his pleading, which is much more personal. The prophet wants to see God's face. Why have you hidden your face from us, Lord? You're our father. We miss you, father. Show us your face, he says. That's not a plea for geopolitical change. That's a plea for something very, very personal. It's the cry of every loving heart. Come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So through the whole Old Testament, the prophets, the psalmists are pleading for God to come to his people. And at Christmas time at Bethlehem, he comes. In Jesus, the eternal becomes flesh at Bethlehem. And as we will see, his coming has meaning in many dimensions. His coming impacts all sorts of dimensions of our life. John's words that Bob just read remind us that Jesus comes to heal creation. This is one of the biggest meanings of his coming. When we human beings sinned, we fell, and creation fell with us. Thorns infested the ground, the creation became scarred with the things that we had done. Jesus comes to heal that. And you hear that at the beginning of John's gospel, right? At the beginning of John's gospel, John deliberately echoes the beginning of Genesis and the creation story. In the beginning was the word. 
It's a signal that Jesus' coming is going to be a reboot of creation, creation 2.0. And John is also clear that Jesus is the one to do it because John says, through him all things were made and without him nothing nothing is made that has been made. Jesus understands creation. Jesus is able to fix it. And in his crucifixion, he will wear the crown of thorns so that thorns will no longer infest the ground. One of the dimensions of his coming is to heal creation. The tree of life my soul hath seen, laden with fruit and always green. The tree of life my soul hath seen, laden with fruit and always green. The trees of I long have sought, and pleasure dearly I have bought. For happiness I long have sought, and pleasure dearly I have bought. I miss the but now I see. Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds 
living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angel saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. That's another dimension of Christ coming to us. That's one of the other things he comes to do. He comes to bring peace. History, human history, has been churned up by these terrible cycles of victimization and vengeance. One tribe becomes strong, oppresses another. The tribe that has been oppressed becomes a victim, and in their victim they begin to tell stories of vengeance until they are strong enough and they become the oppressors and create a new bunch of victims who then go for vengeance. And so the cycle goes on and on and on. It's like the blades of some great hate machine that churns up history. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. On the cross, he comes to absorb these cycles of vengeance into himself. He comes to bring peace. As Ephesians says, he comes to destroy the dividing wall of hostility between the nations. Peace between people. Peace on earth. When shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized the troubled mind. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to David's town this day is born of David's line. A Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be the Son. The heavenly babe you there shall find to you then view displayed all 
tides we wrapped in swathing bands and in a manger laid. Thus spoke the seraph, and forth with appeared a shining throng of angels praising God, who thus addressed their joyful song. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. The angel said to Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The problems facing the world are not just about wars that are being fought between nations. The problems of the world are about wars that are fought right here in the human heart. Every human being that you meet, every human being that you see, every human being that you pass on the street is in the middle of a great battle. They may not be carrying a gun. They may not be in military garb. They could be sitting in a corner office or a coffee shop or a kitchen. But inside they are at war. We all want to be good people. We want to do the right things. We want to be compassionate. We want to be loving. We want to be godly on the one hand. But on the other hand, there's something in us that is selfish and grabbing. Something in us that says, me, mine, my way, my things. And these two sides of us are forever clashing. 
Jesus comes to save us from that battle. He comes to save us from our sins. It will cost him a lot. It will cost him everything. He will die on the cross to end that battle and make sure we become the people he means us to be. The change is slow, but daily he is changing us from one degree of glory to the next. Jesus comes at Bethlehem to save you from your sins. Oh. 
Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So we human beings called for Jesus. Jesus came and so far we've seen several dimensions of his coming. He came to heal creation. He came to bring peace and end wars. He came to destroy the power of sin. And now the smallest part of his coming, the most intimate part of his coming. Remember at the beginning of this service, I talked about at Isaiah's plea to rend the heavens, that God would rend the heavens and come down, that that had a very personal side. Isaiah said, you are our father and we long to see your face. Father, show me your face. I miss you, father. Show me your face. I'm lonely because if, if I saw your face, father, I think I could get through anything. There is something wonderful and intimate about the way Luke describes the birth of Jesus. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. That image of a mother holding a swaddled child, looking that child in the face, that is the opposite of loneliness. There is not a more intimate human picture than a mother holding her child. There is no closer human relationship. I suppose God could have announced himself in the world any way he wanted but he chose this small, intimate way to show that he didn't just come to this world to solve great big geopolitical problems and to do big things. He, became, he came to be close to us, close to me, close to you, face to face, to heal our loneliness. 
He came to us small and vulnerable because he wants us to be vulnerable, to open wide our hearts and tell him our deepest fears and our most fervent hopes so that he can say to us every day, I love you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. Jesus came to heal our lonely hearts. Cherubim worship night and day, a breast full of milk and a meadow full of hay. Enough for him who fall down before the oxen dust and camel which adore 
John 1, verses 9 through 11. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. John tells us the tragedy of Christmas. Because he loves us and he wants to help us, Jesus comes to us. He comes as Lord of this earth as a tiny baby to save us. And yet, though he comes to us in help, his own people do not receive him. We humans cry to God for help. He shows up with grace and truth and we ignore him and then we spit on him and then we crucify him. Throughout the Gospel of John, you see the dynamic. When Jesus comes, he comes to the people and he announces that here I am. This is who I am. I'm here to help. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I am the way. I am here for you. I've been sent by the Father. Here I am. And people turn away. They did it then and they do it now. Christ's voice still calls out to his people and we are still too busy, too distracted, too smart, too cynical to hear and we do not receive him. Lord, have mercy upon us.
John 1, verses 11 through 14. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Not much has changed. Jesus keeps coming to us. Jesus keeps calling to us. His voice still goes out saying, come to me. He does it in his word. He does it every Sunday in church services. And tonight in services like this with candles lit all over the world, he is announcing his presence. I am here for you. In one way or another, he is saying to me and to you, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Will we hear that voice this year? And if we hear, will we receive him? I pray that this Christmas, in the middle of all the fear and the fury, in the middle of all the uncertainty and the pressures and in the loneliness of your hearts, I pray that with the shepherds and the magi, you will come to him, you will fall on your knees, you will open wide your hearts, and you will let him fill it. Amen.
Thank you.